Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from somewhere in the western half of Canada. Episode 65, On the Road. When I was packing for this three-day trip away, I said to my partner, three knitting projects, my purse spinning, and a book will be enough to keep me entertained, right? And I shouldn't bring my tackly since we're not checking bags, should I? Security probably won't be terribly impressed with a big metal stick. It seems to be my lot in life that I will always overpack my fiber arts when traveling. I'm getting better about clothing. Randy and I just used one carry-on suitcase between the two of us this trip but I just can't seem to be realistic about my knitting. Even though we were coming to Edmonton, a place with myriad local yarn shops and various big box stores, I had a little pang when I realized that I had forgotten to grab my double-pointed needles on the off chance I finished the legs of the socks I'm doing Magic Loop two at a time. Now that we're on our way back, I've come to accept that I might get to the heel flaps by the time we cross the Strait of Georgia again on the ferry, so I didn't need to bring them along but there was still that moment of panic. Stephanie Pearl McPhee has written many blog posts about this phenomenon. Even knowing that I am not the first, and certainly won't be the last, to overpack my road projects, I wonder when I will overcome this last hurdle to become a minimalist traveler. The advent of electronic books has been a godsend. I remember in my pre-knitting days packing ten fairly large books for a ten-day vacation in the Dominican Republic, and then only reading one. That was a waste of a whole lot of weight and space in my suitcase. But now I can download library books to my phone, or simply pack my Kindle, and I have a whole library and bookshop at my disposal. But fiber arts will never go that way. There will never be e-knitting, and although I now own an electric eel wheel nano, 100 grams of fiber is still 100 grams of fiber, no matter how small the spindle or wheel. What I need to learn, clearly, is how to be more realistic about time. Yes, I spent a half day in a coffee shop this trip knitting and chatting, and that is the only reason that I'm as far along as I am on the legs of the sock project. Yes, there is waiting for a plane, which I am doing as we speak, as well as flying time, travel to the ferry terminal and waiting there too, followed by the sail across the channel. But socks still take the time they take, especially magic loop with a fiddly cable. A large crescent shawl will still fake you out about how quickly the first few rows go until you reach 200 stitches and suddenly your lightning progress begins to slow down, like a bicyclist encountering a steep hill. To be fair, I did finish a project on this trip, but I've been working on the Danish cotton hand towel for weeks now and was pretty close to the end of it as it was, so I did need a second project. And I did want to show my friends in Edmonton my progress on the wedding shawl, despite the fact that it is quite a large project volume-wise if a person is trying to be a minimalist traveler. And I also wanted to show off the new skein of yarn I spun, and then on top of that I needed an uncomplicated project for the times my brain couldn't handle lace. These are all valid excuses, but they remain just that. Excuses. Really, I should have just brought the socks. So why don't I? Perhaps for the same reason that I brought ten books with me on my Dominican vacation. 
I will never know what mood will strike me, or if a project just won't work out and I'll have to reconsider something about it, or heaven forbid, actual mechanical failure. I have broken needles in the past, after all. When traveling further afield than just to home and back, I should continue to limit my fiber arts to what I usually carry, my purse knitting and spinning. And I should evaluate how far I am in a project and carry one small backup just in case. As we arrived at our gate for the flight home, I saw someone knitting, and so of course I had to go ask her what she was making. It was a hat, and she said it was the only knitting she had brought with her on a five-day trip. I was suitably impressed, and had to laugh at the serendipitousness of our meeting, since I had just written half an essay about how much knitting I had brought with me traveling. The meeting has left me inspired to follow her example, though. I know now that I don't need three projects for a three-day trip, that one will be enough, and that I, need to, that I need to divide the amount of time I think I will have by four to be more realistic about how much time I actually will have. Next time I will go traveling, I'll just take a pair of socks in progress. And of course, an extra ball of yarn, just to be safe. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. This is a bit of a patchwork episode. I was on the road, clearly, over the weekend, and I did not take with me my level four workbook. So that meant the only segment I couldn't record while I was away was, of course, the first one. So I am recording this on Monday, and everything else was recorded on the road on the weekend, so there'll be a bit of variation in the audio quality, but hopefully that'll be all right. It's been a busy couple weeks. I I don't know where they went. I, I know I was doing some freelance work, and I've been doing some spinning, but beyond that, I'm not 100% sure where all the time went. I've still been struggling with my Lendrum. And uh, I've, I've figured out where the creek is coming from, or, or rather, I've figured out how to stop the creek in my left treadle. But in order to stop the creek, I have to basically put my entire weight of my left leg on the bottom right-hand corner of the treadle. I'm not even using it to treadle at all. I'm just using it to stop the noise. So I'm actually about ready to totally take that treadle out of the equation, just disconnecting the the rubber footman and just letting it sit there and we're using it as a single treadle. But I'm not quite there yet. I still want to see if I can figure out what piece is moving and see if I can secure that down and then make that noise go away because it is getting significantly worse. And if I'm going to use the Lendrum as a teaching wheel and also, you know, as a, as a technical spinning wheel, I really, really have to get that under control. So I will be getting to that. But until I can do that, you know, there's, I've got a bunch of things I need to do. The fall fair is coming up, so I have to do some spinning. I have finished one skein of yarn it was a three-ply from a merino bamboo braid, a, a true three-ply. It's very nice and subtle. The bamboo 
gives it a really nice uh, frosted look because of course it didn't dye. The, the braid is from Spunky Eclectic, so it's very nicely dyed. And I have to knit a little swatch from this to enter it into the fair. So, but I got that finished, which was good. And I've also been continuing to work on the supported spindle project, which is 55% silk and 45% yak. That is the yarn that I'm spinning for my, my Ply Magazine article that's coming up next year. And I, I need to continue working on that as well. So also on the list is to start the Angora, and I haven't managed to do that yet, but that is on my schedule for tomorrow. So yeah, it's it's funny, you know, the, we get to the end of the summer and and everything's just busy. I'm looking forward to the cooler weather though. We get to the afternoon and it's really hard to, to spin because it's just so warm. So that's what's going on with Fiber Week and more technical spinning. I hope to have a better update for you next episode as to certain things. But yeah, just the last two weeks have been just slightly crazy. So let's go back to level four and we're up to module A3, which is cashmere. Mm, cashmere. Cashmere is wonderful. It's just, it's soft and really, really lovely. For my level four final project, I actually recreated a, an MC, MCS, a Merino Cashmere Silk Blend. It was, it was nice. You're only using about 15% cashmere in that, but, but when you're working with cashmere on its own or in a higher percentage, it is quite simply soft and beautiful. Cashmere is one of the finer fibers, so you do have to be careful with it. It's also quite short and it's literally combed off of the cashmere sheep, so you can get it in cloud form, which is really fun to spin from. So there's two skeins that you have to spin for level four. One is 100% cashmere and the other is a blend. Considerations when you're blending with cashmere, it's very fine, it's also very short. So you're not going to blend it with something like Blueface Leicester. You're going to blend it more with something in the Merino type family. If you want to extend it, if you want to blend it with wool. If you don't want to blend it with wool, you could get away with blending it with silk. If you cut the silk, you may want to consider silk noil, but that would kind of really take away from the character of the cashmere. Because silk noil, of course, has that texture and really you don't really want that with cashmere. Cashmere will develop a light halo, uh, and you can encourage this along by lightly fulling it. So don't full it like you would full a woolen skein from a down breed. Just, you know, just, you know, make it wet in hot water, give it a bit of a swish in some cold water, snap it a few times in your, in your hands, maybe very lightly tap it on the side of your bathtub to lightly full the yarn. I got fairly decent marks on my cashmere skeins. I again lost marks for guess consistency, but oh well. Like all short fibers, cashmere should be spun woolen and spun fine. And again, like most 
of these fine fibers, it should be plied just to give it that extra bit of strength and structure in the yarn because of course the fibers are so short. In a singles, you know, you'll lose a lot of the character of the fiber because such high twist is needed. When you ply it, you can loosen that off and still maintain the structural integrity of the yarn. So spin it woolen and fine. Reduce the take up on your wheel. Use point of contact instead of maybe true woolen. Spinning from the cloud is really lovely. And, uh, and then ply it. When you're blending it, obviously because it's so fine, you'll sandwich it between a coarser fiber. Like, I can't believe we're going to say that this, but merino is coarser than cashmere. So sandwich your cashmere between layers of merino when you're blending on hand cards or on a drum carter. These fine fibers and, and their various blends are just fun. But you still need to, you know, remember what they are. They are, they are fine and they're short. So you need to you need to spin them in a way that accentuates, you know, those characteristics and takes those into account. Light take up on the wheel, maybe a supported spindle. That's of course why I'm using a supported spindle for my yak silk project. So that's cashmere. We're actually going to skip the next module, uh, A4, because that is about reeling silk. And that has been removed from the program. Now, Reeling Silk, there's lots of great resources out there. Um, Wormspit.com is a really good one. It's it's fun, but it takes a lot of equipment that is not readily available. So that is the part of the reason why it's been removed from the program. And also it's less spinning. I mean, yes, you're unwinding the cocoon and eventually you have to, you know, lightly ply some filaments together for tram, but that's really not spinning so much as is just taking one really long thread and plying it together with a, with another one. So if you're interested in reeling silk, definitely check out Wormspit and, uh, and any of the other resources that are out there. So that means that we will move on to module B or section B, module B1, which is part of spinning cellulose fibers. Module B1 is about spinning cotton, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. Fiber Notes. All the segments except Fiber Week are coming to you from the ferry terminal, which will hopefully explain some of the background noise as well as the different quality of the recording. I have my handheld uh, device with me just to, to quickly record because we have been traveling and I did not have a chance at all before we left to get any recording done or anything. We were just really, really busy. So I did finish the hand towel on this trip. I decided to stop at 10 re pattern repeats instead of 13. It, uh, it just it was already long enough and and so then I finished it off I just need to knit a little bit of I-cord to make a some a loop to hang it from and it's done and that took about one and a half balls of yarn which means that instead of only being able to make three hand towels I can now make six which 
is pretty nice. It means that I'll have two of each color and I can have them set aside for presents, housewarming presents, birthday presents, what have you. And that will be, that'll be great. So now that I've finished up uh, recreating this pattern, I'll write it up and also post it to Ravelry. I also started the wedding shawl. I found my Swift and Ball winder. There were only two boxes they could have been in, and they, of course, were in the one that I didn't go into very often. So I decided to knit uh, In the Night Garden by Lydia Ziganova. It is a, a beautiful, deep crescent shawl. And I decided on that for a variety of reasons. The, I decided on the deep crescent construction because I don't want to have to try to hold it on my shoulders. Most triangles need a pin or you just have to keep pulling them on. But a deep crescent will just sit on the shoulders. And then we went through the pictures for the patterns that I narrowed it down to for deep crescents. And this one actually worked the best with a long gradient yarn. So I'm... I've started chart four of six, which does not mean I'm over halfway done. I'm on row 64 of 138, which also doesn't mean I'm anywhere near halfway done. I'm just over probably about 230, 235 stitches now. By the time I get to the end, it will be 777. So not anywhere close to being finished. I'm coming up on the first color change though, which is, which is nice. I've been kind of working towards that. So far I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm using three and a half millimeter needles instead of the called for two and a half because I'm trying to increase the amount of yarn I'm using. Most of the other people who've made this pattern have only used 800 yards of yarn and I have 1500. So by increasing the needle size and and the, the merino of course is very it's 70% merino so it has uh, you know that merino sprawing so it, it's still going to bloom pretty well. So I think it'll be it'll still be it'll still look great. But I am probably going to have a lot left over. So I am contemplating depending on how much I have left over knitting Randy a tie so that we match. But then it comes down to when do I set the date for the wedding? And I've been saying to people that I'll set the date for the wedding when I finish the shawl. Uh, uh, you know, priorities, right? But, uh, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I think it depends on how much yarn I have left, too. But it's just been wonderful to work with my hand spun again. It is really... It's a really beautiful yarn, and I think it's, it's just turning out really nice. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the color changes go in terms of, you know, where they fall in the pattern. I've also started a pair of simple socks that will be for traveling. And there's a new yarn shop opening up in my town, and uh, I'm just doing them as a, as a sample for the shop, as a favor. So it's a, it's a simple sock pattern. The pattern is the vanilla latte socks. Not sure who the designer is because I have not actually downloaded the pattern yet. It's simple enough that I just looked at the picture and went, oh, that's how you do it. So until I get to the heel flap, I'm just going to continue to, to go along because it's basically a vanilla sock with some strips of garter stitch just to give it some visual interest. I haven't really decided what, you know, my next spinning project is going to be. I did get an eel wheel nano, 
Unfortunately, the motor is seems to be faulty. I'll spin for five minutes and then it slows down and then it stops and it smells like burning electronics. So I've got a new motor on the way. Maurice Ribble was kind enough to just package one up and send it to me. So once I get that and get it installed, then I will be able to really, really, truly test out my Eel Wheel Nano. For the five minutes it does spin, I really enjoy it. It's very light and it spins wonderfully. And then it slows down. So wait for my review of the electric eel wheel nano for when I have a working motor. But yeah, that's basically what I'm working on right now. Hopefully by next episode I'll be quite a bit further along in the in the wedding shawl and probably finished a pair of socks and we'll see what else I come up with. Cranking on the fiber side. The auto knitter is now in pieces. Thank goodness it it uh, it was completely stuck. The cylinder was really stuck in the base, and no matter what we did, we couldn't get it apart. So, since we needed to wash it anyway, I went and got a bucket and put a bunch of hot water in it, even a even a a jug of boiling water, and a lot of Dawn, a lot and lot of blue Dawn and just put it in there and let it soak for probably about 12 hours. When I finally poured out the water, it was green, not blue anymore. And there were these little black bits that came out with it. And even then it still took some encouragement with a hammer before we were able to get the cylinder out of the base. Randy did this while I was at knitting and he said, you did not want to see the big ring of guck that was holding it in. And I can imagine it was, uh, I can imagine it was a lot of oil and a lot of fuzz from different sock yarns over the years. So, but the, the good news is that it's a part. We also photocopied the manual, so now we don't need to worry about ruining that. We have two copies just on plain paper that we can use while there is oil and water and soap everywhere and we won't need to worry about making any more damage to the original manual. So yeah, now we're just into the, the last bits of cleaning and oiling and getting it put back together and getting her running again. So I'm hopeful that we'll do that in the next two weeks. I also received an order of sock yarn from the wholesaler in uh, Ontario. Lots of beautiful colors. So I've got enough yarn to play with to figure out how this thing works, get it back up and running, and then we'll be cranking. By the wayside. Somehow or another, with everything that went on, I never had a chance to sit down and work on the accolade. You know, maybe I needed a, a few weeks off anyway, and I certainly couldn't take it traveling. I mean, they, they may allow knitting needles, but I'm not sure how they feel about embroidery needles. Plus, it's, it's volume-wise, it's quite large, so if I want to be a minimalist traveler, that was definitely not something I could take with me. So, nothing done this week, or this, uh, this episode, uh, unfortunately, but I will definitely be getting back to it. I still, I still want to get it done. And, you know, maybe that two weeks will give me a bit of a different perspective on it. I hope so, anyway.
Thank you for joining me for episode 65. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 66 on September 8th, 2019. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion on Facebook or Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at bythefiberside, that's F-I-B-R-E, at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.